One of the ways. Hi everyone, welcome to Manager IQ's Manager Skills Corner podcast. Manager IQ's mission is to provide an online space where managers can access all the resources, learnings, and tools to build their manager toolkit, and also to provide you with a community of managers to lean on. This podcast is designed to bring experts in specific areas of management to share their knowledge and experience with the Manager IQ community. We share tips and tricks which you can implement into your management practice. For more information about Manager IQ and our products, check out our website www.manageriq.com. Now, let's check out today's episode. Morning all, hope you're well. We're here with AJ Sito to discuss having the right conversations at the right time with your team members. AJ has significant experience in this area, having both led large teams herself and also worked in HR, where she has been advising managers on how to handle various employee matters in their teams. AJ led this employee relations team and then the HR shared services team at the large professional services organization EY for over six years. The employee relations specialist team particularly focused on supporting the business with all the employment matters, which included performance management, bullying, restructures, mental health, sexual harassment, just to name a few. During AJ's time in this role, she identified a pattern where if managers had the right conversations at the right time, particularly early, a lot more of the serious formal processes could have been avoided. AJ's other experience in her 20-year career includes HR generalist and business partner roles, as well as starting her career in recruitment. AJ is certified executive and leadership coach, providing coaching to leaders around transformative leadership, career development, leadership readiness, new role or return to work transitions and well-being. All right. Hi, AJ. Welcome. How are you today? Yeah, good. Thanks, Lex. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. It's a little bit chilly here in Melbourne for a, for a summer's day, but um, oh. it's nice to have the different changes, you know, having hot and then a bit cooler as well. Yeah, well, they do say you've got all four seasons in one day, hey? It's yeah. quite hot in Sydney and it has been for the last two weeks or so. Really humid. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that too, actually. So hopefully that you get a reprieve soon. But um, I'm so excited to have you on board. And I've done a little bit of an introduction, but why don't you tell, you know, our listeners here today a little bit about your career to date and some of the experiences you've had that have made you an expert in this area? Oh, okay. Well, thank you for having me on the podcast. Very excited to be here. Um, So a bit about me. Where do I start? I guess, I, you know, I studied psychology and sociology at uni, um, found myself in recruitment, actually, from there, started out there and then moved into HR. Um, I've been in HR for, gosh, 20 years, but you wouldn't know by looking at me because, you know, I look so young. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, so I moved into generalist HR and then specialised in employee relations. So um, I was an ER manager and then I led the um, employee relations team at EY for about five or six years. Um, then I broadened out to HR shared services, um, you know, which included like the HR operations side and project management. Um, and now I'm focused more on the project management side of things, um, just to kind of round out that experience, I guess, really enjoying that. Um, and I'm also an executive slash leadership coach as well, credited through the IECL. So yeah, that's kind of a bit about my career. Um, I've got two kids who are 11 and 12 years old. Um, they keep me pretty busy. Uh, so, yep, doing the, the mum juggle. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Great. Well, thank you so much for that. And, um, you know, I, I feel being a new mum, the, the juggle is real. So um, hats off. You don't ex- you don't know what it's like until you experience it. But um, yeah. but I must say, I mean, I think we've talked about this in the past. It's quite good that organisations are creating, I guess, opportunities for men to take up more as well. So I, I'm yeah. assuming that men are starting to feel that juggle a little bit more as well. Yeah, yeah. I think it's definitely more common now and, you know, more and more dads are taking longer periods of parental leave and it's just really good. I think that's just going to be amazing for society. It just might take some time to catch on, but once it becomes normalised, then, yeah, I think it's awesome. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And and we've had the fortunate experience of working together for years. So I, I obviously know a lot about you and I know the experience that you had. So when I was thinking about, you know, talking about this topic, you're the one person that definitely came to mind around oh, someone to talk you. about. Yeah. And the reason for that is not just your deep experience for the employment relations side, but it's also the management side. You've experienced being a manager. You've experienced having to do these um, types of things for your people and the impact that can that it can have on you as well. We think a lot about the impact of an employment relations formal process on the person that's involved. But there's yeah. actually a big kind of impact on the manager who has to run it, too. So I thought that you could bring that really amazing kind of, um, I guess, experience from both sides of that. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, when you're first in HR and you're giving the advice about how to do this process or that process, manage people, it all seems very straightforward. And then you actually start managing people yourself and you realise, you know, how tricky it is and, you know, um, how important it is that you're doing it the right way and having the right conversations. Mm, when you're in exactly. it, that's when you feel it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, employment relations might feel a bit like HR jargon or HR lingo. So why don't we give our listeners a little bit of a understanding around what do we mean when we talk about employment relations and what are some of the more common situations that might arise for managers in the workplace? Yep, sure. Um, So employment relations or employee relations um, technically means the relationship between the employee and the employer. Um, So it's about, you know, fostering and maintaining that relationship, um, which, of course, is beneficial to both sides. Right. So if you're you're going to have that relationship, you have more productive employees and then the employees themselves are getting what they need out of their careers. Um, It comes under the broader HR banner. So if you think about a HR department, um, you know, that could include like recruitment, learning and development, um, REM and BENS um, and then. ER usually sits under there. Now, not all organisations sort of pull it out and call it an employee relations team. Um, some of the bigger ones like like EY do. But in smaller organisations, you know, the HR generalist or the HR manager just does a bit of all of these things. Um, but, yeah, so it's basically, you know, managing transparent employee communication or supporting um, the employee through their life cycle at the, at the um, organisation. Um, yeah. yeah. One of the things that I'll pull out from there is around um, it being a relationship, you know. So one of the things is is that the organization, you know, pays an individual to do the role. But mm-hmm. more now than ever, the employee has an expectation for the organization to provide a safe environment, meaningful benefits, um, well-being practices, um, a place where they, they can thrive and they can meet their career goals and so forth. Uh, and if they're doing all those things, the employee, like you said, is being more productive. So that means it's helping the business um, reach their goals and so forth and so on. So you have this really amazing relationship, which is, which is 
I guess, positive for both sides. Yeah, definitely. And as it should be, right, because we spend most of our waking lives, you know, working. So um, it makes sense that, you know, we're moving towards more of our authentic selves coming through and more of our needs needing to be met from the organisation or, you know, um, employees expecting that. Mm -hmm, Exactly. And so let's talk about the common situations that might arise in the workplace for managers. Yeah, yeah. So um, for managers and, you know, if you think about the employee relations umbrella, so it's things like helping to manage, you know, um, or improve employee performance, their team members, um, you know, navigating like interpersonal conflict, um, managing employees' um, ill health, whether that's physical or or mental ill health. Um, uh, You know, there might be breach of policy, so there could be like disciplinary matters that come up. Um, And then you've got the bigger stuff like, you know, dealing with complaints. So whether that's around like um, harassment or bullying, some of the more serious stuff as well. Um, So, yeah, those are the kind of common things um i would say the more serious stuff like complaints hopefully does not come up too often for a manager um but yeah you, you'll definitely um as a manager come across you know instances where you're having to help someone manage you know improve their performance or work through a life sort of ill health matter yeah and i think when we were working together um you know we definitely saw an uplift in um situations occurring which related to health and not just mental health but that was quite a big one as well like a, yeah. a whole gambit of of things and i like the way you say life matters because some of it could even be the impact on a relationship breakup or a parent um you know passing away or uh, you know even their fur baby you know yeah. being um ill or whatever it might be like these are all scenarios that impact the individual that might impact them at, in the workplace too because they can't compartmentalize that you know you know like it's not yeah. okay. so we seem to seem to see a lot of that kind of pop up yeah and and again like coming back to what we were saying earlier because um there is that trend towards employees expecting more of a um like a relationship from the employers looking after all of these aspects of them then you know they are more comfortable as well to bring forth some of those health matters that you know I don't know 50 years ago you wouldn't have talked to your employer about right you just suffer through and maybe your performance suffers but now it's much more transparent and you can work together to to get the best outcomes while you're going through that. Yeah, exactly. And I think another aspect that makes this so sensitive is that from a legal perspective, there are, I guess, laws and systems and awards in, you know, in Australia and, and different things that mean that there is some responsibilities that an employee and a manager have to do to be able to meet the requirements under those kind of mechanisms, those legislative things as well. So I guess that's why there is the support from your HR people or a specific centralized function who deal with ER that helps support and prop up managers through these um, through these situations. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, like whilst it's not really like important for managers to know every rule and regulation um as a manager uh you know you're the first port of call for your team members um when it comes to their day-to-day work their you know their well-being their productivity so um yeah that, that's why you're there really um as that middle person so it's really important um for you to understand what's happening with them um to then you know be that conduit between them and, and your organization and the leaders Mm, yeah, exactly. 
Because I think you're right, like, um, you know, like even some of the more recent health and safety um, stuff around the, creating a psychologically safe workplace, you know, like those sorts of things that are bubbling up, that is becoming even more of a responsibility of managers and workplaces to create those environments that are safe. So kind of understanding that and how that transpires in the workplace is an example around just maybe not needing to know the exact ins and outs, but at least, you know, meeting the base minimum. Yeah, you need to know um, what your obligations are. Um, and, you know, obviously won't get into legalities because I'm not a lawyer, but you've got to think about yourself as a representative of the employer. Um, and you do, as a manager, have duties and obligations under several um, acts, like the Fair Work Act, there's a Work Health and Safety Act, and that's where, you know, the psychological safety that you mentioned earlier comes into it. Um, there's, like, discrimination laws, privacy acts. So, um and in most cases, you know, whilst a lot of those obligations lie with the employer, as a manager, you can still be, um, you know, held to account as an accessory. So it is quite important to to be across, you know, your obligations in those areas. Mm. And I guess we don't want managers who are listening to us right to freak out or anything like that. You <laughs> no. know, like, like, like AJ said, that there is... There is there is obligations and so forth. Um, however, you do have support of your HR manager, your HR support mechanisms. If your organization is quite small, there's places in the Internet oh, yeah. and so forth that you can go to. Yeah. Um, however, I will say that if you're a manager and you're creating a trusting team, you've got a great culture, people are really productive, people are trusting you, it's highly unlikely that you're going to ha see some of these situations arise. Um, but if they do, there's support, you know, kind of thing. So it's just, you know, don't freak out, yeah. I guess, is the message. <laughs> Nobody freak out, please. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's not exactly. going to be helpful. Yeah. So one of the things that we're talking about is enabling managers um, via those podcasts to have the right conversations at the right time. So how powerful do you think that this, I guess, train of thought could be if you put it into practice for managers? Yeah. So, you know, I guess touching on what we, what we were saying earlier, like, yes, you have legal obligations, but when you think about your role as a manager, you also have a responsibility to develop your people, to manage your people, to coach them, right? That's that's your role as a manager. Um, and so it is, like with any relationship, communication is key. Um, and so we can really avoid a lot of problems down the track just by communicating, you know, early and often and consistently um, with people. So it's just it's just really important for, for managers to, um, managers, team leaders to have conversations with their people early on um, and it should really start from the beginning ideally you know when you recruit that person or when you start working together um, but it's never too late like you know you can start it now if you, if you are sitting there going oh I haven't had you know some of these conversations um, in terms of setting expectations and things like that you can start it now it's the start of the year or at any time really um, you it's about sort of establishing um, what that team member wants to from to achieve from their career and what you know why they're there um and then really also establishing well this is what we need from you um this is what the role is about this is what good looks like this is what really um excellent looks like um and really putting those um boundaries and you know those goals and structures in place so everybody knows why they're there and what they're trying to achieve mm -hmm. 
Yeah, exactly. I love and the thought around doing it from the start, like even from the recruitment process, it's an opportunity to start setting those expectations of the minimum requirements of the role and the onboarding process as well. It's around how you can ensure that you once again have clear communication that's going to set that person up to be to, I guess, be up to speed as quick as possible, meeting the expectations of the role. And then, as you mentioned, also reaching for those career goals that they have themselves. So there's just almost every part of the life cycle of an employee, there's an opportunity for a manager to have that better communication, to set the expectations, hold people accountable to that expectation as well, and don't shy away from the difficult conversation if they're not quite meeting it. Yeah, yeah. It's all about building that trusting, transparent relationship, which is so important. Um and again, all through your life, not just at work. But, um, you know, if people feel like you're listening and they're feeling heard and it's a two-way street, um, it just opens things up for much better outcomes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think as well is that if you're you're using good communication, partnered up with a, creating a culture of high trust, you're going to have a, a lovely match made in heaven that you're going to be successful as a manager. So you're going to reach your goals, but you're going to see your people thrive. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to give them the gift of good communication, good feedback, clear expectations, whatever it is. So everyone's going to be humming, you know, and that's a really great environment to be part of. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, is there, a, I guess, a simple approach that managers can take to, I guess, have these right conversations with their team at the right time? Um, yeah, so, I mean, as we mentioned earlier, ideally start it from the start. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, what's the job that they're here to do? What does good like? What does great look like? Um, talk them through the policies and procedures for your organisation, um, you know, and also the cultural norms. So, you know, we work like this, um, you know, everybody goes out for lunch on Friday, whatever, like really bring them into um, an understanding of how things work. Um, and also it's really important to um help them understand what they can expect from you as a manager too. Um, So, you know, this is what I like. Um, You know, uh, I myself probably consider myself a very sort of supportive leader and I don't really sort of tend to micromanage people, but I know that, you know, um, sometimes I've had to. So it's just really saying this is how I like to work and I expect these sorts of things from you. Um, Setting out the the clearly defined roles and responsibilities and performance expectations just provides both sides um, with that understanding um, that and and also how the understanding of how they contribute to the overall goals as well. Um, and then by establishing those achievable goals and targets and being clear about the boundaries and then keeping people accountable, as you mentioned earlier, you give employees that sense of purpose and that sense of ownership as well. And it, and it motivates them to, mm-hmm. to try and excel. Um, and then it's important to keep these conversations going. So you don't just have it at the beginning and then set and forget and never talk about it again. Um, really, you should be having those regular check-ins and catch-ups. Just set them up from the beginning and you can move things around if you need to, but have them in the diary. Um, you might have your regular sort of operational or work in progress type meetings every week, but it's really important to also set aside the separate time to talk about you know, these sorts of things, like how how are they finding the role and um, are they on track? Is there more learning and development that they're looking to do? So have those types of career conversations. Because um, a, a manager, I would see, is like a leader, a mentor and a coach, 
probably other things as well. Um, so <laughs> you're leading your people, you're providing direction, you're delegating their work, but you're also mentoring them. So you're sharing learnings and this is how, you know, I would do it or this is what worked for me. Um, so the best way to tackle something. And then you're a coach and coaching. Um, I know you've had um, previous podcast on this, but coaching is about asking questions and listening. And um, the approach is that you believe that the person has the answers within them right and when they can come up with their um their truth and their answers they're much more likely to to kind of stick with it so yeah that's like a another tip of how to keep those conversations going make sure that you're not it's not one directional and you're telling people what to do all the time it's sort of coaching as well um, and then the other thing I'd say is um, timely feedback is so important, right? So don't save it up again to the, you know, the performance review time. Um, it's about consistent, timely feedback. So as soon as someone does something and you want to give them feedback, whether it's good or constructive, just do it right then and there so it's fresh in everyone's memory and it, and it makes more of an impact that way. Mm, so those yeah. are just some of the tips. Exactly. And if I think about it in a kind of, a systematic way, you know, so there are some conversations that you need to have at certain milestones is what I'm taking from what you're saying here. So have the right conversations around um, the onboarding side of things. So, that, so if we have one kind of section, which would be onboarding. So you would then say, what is the right time to tell them about the team culture, the team purpose? What is the right time to talk about the ways of working in that team? What is the right time to introduce them to stakeholders, to do all these different all these different times? So all these different things, sorry. So that would be the right conversations at the right time for that specific purpose. Mm -hmm. Then we've got the next part of the life cycle where we're thinking about the ongoing, um, I guess, maintenance of an employee. That sounds like a terrible word, but for the want of a better word right now, is the ongoing kind of nurturing um, of them. So how you keep them updated with how are they meeting expectations? How are they thriving? How they are being perceived? What are their behaviours are um, are showing up like in the work in the workplace? Um, so that there's kind of this constant kind of information kind of sharing and gathering by the manager um for the individual so that they can then know that how they're going within the organization so it's almost like they always have a clear idea around what is the work that needs to be done how well they are doing it and what they can do to get to their i guess their future goals so there's kind of like that kind of area and then you've got another compartment here is then when things don't go quite right you know kind mm -hmm. of thing like how do you then have those conversations to course correct people and so forth so there's kind of different aspects where you would tend to pick up a different conversation at a different time, but it would enable that employee to be the best versions of themselves and to reach those goals. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I think you've summarised that pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to think, you know, my, my mind's so process-driven. Yeah. You know me well. So, um, so yes, yeah, so that's fantastic. We're excited to announce that we have the Manager IQ's Mastering Management Program. This is a 12-week online program delivered online by subject matter experts. We believe that in 90 days, we can help you have a self-discovery exercise where you can understand where you're at right now in your management practice and where you need to be. We'll provide you with the skills that's going to help you build your toolkit that you can lean on in the future. We'll also give you the ability to experiment in our management laboratories so that you can have the safe space to learn and embed all the different skills that you're learning throughout the program. We also want to make sure that you continue to grow and evolve by providing you with a peer support network through our Manager Mentor Hub community.
We're so excited to bring this community and this program to life, and we can't wait to ensure that you have the capability, certainty, and confidence to be the manager that you want to be. So come along and join us. Information is on our website at www.manageriq.com. The thing I liked is that you did touch on feedback, and I think feedback is a gift for us all. And um, I'm glad that you touched on it. And um, we even used to do within our team around how we're able to create that feedback culture, you know. So what do we kind of mean by that? And how would you, I guess, um, enable the managers who are listening to this now to try and create a feedback culture within their teams? Yeah. Um, so the, the thing about feedback, um, in my experience, is like it has to be timely and relevant. Um, so as I said earlier, you know, don't wait till you have to give it in a performance review uh, to tell someone that, you know, they didn't do so well on a presentation two months ago. Um, that sort of feedback really should be given straight away. And, and similarly, if they did really well, you know, um, give them the shout out straight away as well. Um, and so when we talk about like the feedback culture, it's having that um, you know, that constant cycle, the feedback loop where everyone's comfortable receiving feedback and giving feedback as well. Um, and it's just, it's not a big deal. So it's not a big scary thing if you get feedback because it's just happening on a daily basis, good, bad, you know, everyone's having these conversations. Um, to give good feedback, I'm sure like a lot of the managers would have heard about like the SBI model. Um, it's pretty, uh, been around for a long time and that's to, you know, that model is saying that to give effective feedback, you should be specific about the situation, um, the behaviour and then the impact that the behaviour um, had. And then if you're giving constructive feedback, you might then say provide like an alternate behaviour or way of handling it and then the impact that could have. So that's just one model. There's so many different ways of giving, giving feedback. But most of the time, if you've already built this open trusting, you know, um, relationship, Giving and receiving feedback shouldn't be too big a deal and it could, um, should happen quite uh, naturally. Um, but sometimes, even if you have this relationship, the person is something is really important to remember the person might not be in, an, in the right space to receive feedback. Um, mm -hmm. And so you've also got to read the situation or the timing. So, you know, you could start out by saying, hey, how do you think that went? Um, and then, you know, make a you know have, have a conversation and say hey I've got a bit of feedback for you um is this a good time for us to discuss it or should we set up like a separate time like you know if they're about to rush off somewhere so you you're making sure that you know they're ready to receive it and not just blurting it out at them when they're about to run off somewhere um and that that feedback culture is about like I said that habit everybody's doing it and also invite feedback for yourself so it's not one way all the time um, mm -hmm. They should be comfortable giving you feedback or, you know, everyone should have um, that comfort in sharing feedback in that team. Mm. It's such a tricky spot, isn't it, for managers, because some people automatically have like this emotional response to feedback, right? Like, oh, my God, you know, like they've depending on their experiences in the past with feedback. And they start to think, oh, like they start to overanalyze, you know, the scenario, what's this feedback about and so forth. So it is such a tricky scenario when you're saying, hey, you know, I've got some feedback for you because it automatically lends itself to the negative. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes if you broach it that way, it probably does create that sort of, mm. oh, 
this is bad. Um, whereas if you, you know, and again, that's what I mean by having uh, reading the situation because you might not need to approach it that way. It's just if it's like quite major or something. But otherwise, yes. you be like, hey, like I really liked what you did there, but then, you know, when you did this, this happened, what did you think? You know, do you think next time you should do this? And it's not like, hey, I'm giving you feedback. You've just said what you were thinking and you've, you've gotten that message across to the other person without it being too scary and confronting. Yeah. And I think I like the idea around creating that feedback culture because it would almost, because you've got the culture of it being so natural and the fact that people are giving and receiving feedback that is both constructive and also positive, saying, I really liked what you did there. I think you really cut through that or, um, wow, you really projected your voice well or, wow, I've never heard it explained like that before. It's so much clearer. You know, like there's there's different aspects to it. So if you've got a culture, people won't have that emotional response. They'll see it as a gift. They'll see it that someone is investing in their development, both from a positive and a constructive perspective. And so then it will probably negate all of that. Yeah. Um, but I also agree because I've also been in a scenario before where I've given feedback and the person hasn't been ready. Mm-hmm. And that backfired quite badly. And, um, you know, it's just one of these things that you do have to be careful about. Um, you know, like you say, reading that conversation. Um, another part that makes feedback so tricky is that when you do actually have a high performer and they're really seeking that constructive and you don't have as much constructive because they're obviously doing a fantastic job as it is, you know. So it's like, how do you then help them think about, well, you know, you might be HR manager now, but if you're a CEO, how would you approach it? I don't know. I'm not quite sure yeah. how you would do it. But for <laughs> high performers, sometimes I think it can be even harder because yeah. they're they're obviously a lot of the time they're kind of go-getters and they're, they would seek, they would seep up all of the feedback that they could get. But um, yeah. if they're already doing so well, like it becomes tricky. Yeah. And you've got to be careful not to then be like, oh, like, okay, I'll make something up here. Not make something up, but really like be reaching to not picking something almost, out because yeah. for high performers that can also be quite off-putting be like, well, I don't know if you needed to raise that, right? Like what's that got to do with things? So yeah, you do have to be careful there. Yeah, exactly. And I think as well as like also taking the time to watch what I loved as well, but another comment you made around a manager being a coach, you know, so even if you, you played out the scenario, asking a few more questions to begin with, you know, I like that approach. Um, I'm not the best coach personally, but um, I, I feel like the couple of times I've done it, it's been meaningful and it's been done to me and I thought it was quite meaningful. And it was like, just really understanding the scenario around how the person got themselves into that situation. So why did they pick that piece of work? How did they plan? How did they prepare? Um, you know, how did they feel when they're up there? How did they feel that it went, you know, and start to unpick that process around how they actually got to that in that place. And sometimes the individual will likely get to the same scenario where you're like, yes, I could have prepared a little bit better or yes, I, did, I should have stood up at that point or I should have clarified that point. I kind of rushed on because I was nervous, whatever it might be. They actually might get to the feedback you're going to give them like naturally themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just helping them kind of review and work, work through that themselves and you still get your point across. Yeah. I've also had a, a scenario where. I think I assumed too much one time as well. I assumed that they're actually um, like a little bit ill prepared, you know. And right. so when I so I was like when I went into the feedback conversation, I said um, my experience was that you're a little bit ill prepared, you know. Like, but then when we unpicked the scenario, I thought I was like, oh my gosh, I assumed too much there. They actually were only given the task very late in the piece, so they didn't even have the opportunity to prepare to the extent oh, that they would have liked. Okay. Yes. So a little bit of an awkward scenario, but it's one of those things, again, it's around if I asked a few more questions and left my assumptions yes. at the door, 
And yeah. we would have actually that would have been a much better conversation. And it's around actually how do we provide opportunities for individuals so that they do have enough time to prepare? So it wasn't actually on the individual, it was on our process around how we did those things. So yeah. things or allocations. Yeah, yeah. Leading it with questions is, you know, um, I guess the key thing with coaching, but through a lot of um sort of training that I've had as a manager, it's they're always, you know, ask the question, don't assume, leave your biases at the door, you know. Yeah. Um, go into it open-minded and you might learn something too. Yeah. Even if you're there to teach someone something. Exactly, exactly. And I guess if we're walking our way down a little bit more of the extreme end of the continuum and an individual is not meeting performance expectations and you're leading them down into a more formal kind of performance management starting of a conversation, given the fact that this is the more common situation that might arise for managers, I wonder if there's a way of, how you could talk people around how that conversation could go when you're moving to something that's a little bit more formal. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you've been providing feedback to your team member regularly and having those conversations, hopefully they should already understand, you know, where they're falling short or or know that there's some areas that they're not hitting the mark on. Um, but a key part of also identifying underperformance is um and, and then managing it is understanding what the reasons for the underperformance could be. So like you were saying earlier, you know, don't assume that they just didn't prepare. Um, you've got to really understand what's going on for them. So have they had the right training if they're new and they don't seem to be performing? Have they had the right training and onboarding? Um, are there personal circumstances uh, that are leading to their underperformance? What's their level of, level of engagement? And so to understand that, again, you should be able to do that through those regular conversations, but also just by asking those, you know, the questions like what what's going on for you? Um, and then similar to providing feedback, um, always look for a good time. So if you are going to go into a performance conversation, it's not, you know, don't just launch it on them, you know, um, unexpectedly. Um, And good time and place to have the conversation, make sure the person's ready and, you know, open to that sort of in the right space. Um, And then, like I said, start out by asking the questions. Um, How do you feel like you're, you know, how do you feel that you're going? Um, You know, is there anything we can do to further support you in, xyz areas um work together to identify you know strategies or learning or you know ways to improve their performance um and that's probably the the first step it's more the informal performance management you're not actually in a performance process you're just having those conversations and you're just trying to you know draw attention to the fact that they might not be meeting the mark and how can you support them um and before you go into a formal performance process, we always say you, you should have spent quite a bit of time having these sorts of informal conversations um, so that it's not uh, a big surprise. Um, so that's the first step. And then when you do go into a formal performance conversation, usually you probably have a HR person involved. I'm not sure, depending on the organisation. Um, but, yeah, you would go in, you outline the purpose of the conversation and are very clear about, you know, we've been working on these things haven't really seen, you know, the type of improvement that we're looking for and this is what we need you to do next. Um, It's important not to throw everything but the kitchen sink into that, you know, because it's it's overwhelming and and people aren't going to be able to improve in like 20 different areas. It's what are the key ones. Um, And just being really clear about this is how we can support you, this is what our expectations are, these are the bite-sized things that you can do to show us that you're improving. So, yeah, that's kind of 
how you would go into a performance conversation using that feedback um, culture or that feedback, um, those conversations that you've already been having. Mm, yeah, exactly. And um, like AJ mentioned, you know, that you would have support from an HR person. So they're able to kind of make sure that you're you're ticking the boxes from a legal obligations perspective. Um, but one of the things that I liked about what you're saying is around, you know, making sure that the manager understands that they've already had quite a lot of meaningful conversations around expectations, um, what that individual could do to meet those expectations that they're not quite meeting. But it was also what the organization, the manager can do that's going to help support them to bring up to that, bring them up to that level of expectation or that level of work that they're doing. So one of the things that we we had as a philosophy for us is around we're not using performance management processes and systems and whatever it is, cases to just get rid of people, right? This is a a mechanism to actually help that individual to come up to speed to meeting those those expectations of the organization. But also it's a trigger for the manager and, you know, the leaders of the organizations to say, hey, are we supporting our people in the right way that's going to help them be successful? And because everyone's individual with their experience that they had, the way that they consume information, the way that they are understand things and so forth, some people are going to need different things. Mm-hmm. And some of these more formal processes help to trigger those things. So they can actually be, even though they're quite um, hard scenarios that you go through, they it can be time consuming, they're emotionally driven, they're quite personal for the individual, they actually can be very meaningful and can be a perfect opportunity for that person to get exactly what they need to be successful, which would be a huge learning for them to be able to be successful in other roles as well. So it might not feel like it at the time, but it can actually be quite a positive mechanism for managers to use for themselves as well as the person that's involved, you know, the individual to to be better. Yeah, definitely. Um, And you're right. Like, I like that, you know, how you're saying that it's not a way to move people out of the organisation. You've hired that person for a reason or they're they're in the team or the organisation for a reason. So, you know, um, you want to make this work, ideally, before Mm -hmm. you get to that, you know, that point of, okay, it's not working. And so, yeah, and a lot of the time I've seen um, people are able to change their performance around and it's a bit of a course correction and then they they, you know, go on to have long and happy careers. So um, with the same organisation. So it's really just, um, it's like focusing in, helping, we're here to help you improve in these areas and then, you know, and then off they go. And and that's pretty roast-intent too, but in that, you know, sometimes it doesn't work and um, for all sorts of reasons, it's just not the right fit or they've outgrown the role or they've lost their motivation. Like there's so many reasons why it might not actually work and then they do move on. But at least you've you've kind of, you know, tried to help them um, improve or um, focus on that before that, but before it gets to that point. Manager IQ has an amazing community called the Manager Mentor Hub. This is a place where managers can come to master the craft and access an amazing supportive community. You can get access to our monthly masterclasses, which are recorded and loaded at the beginning of each month. You can join our open hours, which is every week on a Tuesday. You can also become part of the the community and ask your questions and also give back and share your experience. Come along and join us. You can find out more information at www.manageriq.com. It's such an interesting scenario. I've I've sat in um, meetings where both sides have happened in the sense, both kind of things have happened is that the person has felt um, completely supported understands that the organization has gone above beyond to kind of help them meet expectations and it's the role is just not the right fit the organization is not the right fit whatever it is and so then they move on but they've, they've had a positive experience knowing that everything had been done 
And then on the flip side, I've had the other scenario where the individual was completely shocked, um, did not understand, you know, why they were sitting in the room. Mm. And um, when you have a look at it, they had a very, how would I say, a very limited onboarding um, that set them up for success to begin with. They had hardly any conversations leading up to it. No one ever managed expectations. People always avoided having the conversation with them. They were then deemed as someone who wasn't good at performing. So then it was even harder to get them work to be able to then help them get up to standards. So I've, I've sat in scenarios on both sides of that. And um, once again, I think the conversation that we're having right now is all about having the right conversations at the right time. And you really want to help people as much as you can meet expectations, but also not cause them psychological damage by you know yeah. not having these conversations so I think we've got a responsibility as managers and leaders to think about that as we're going through it like don't avoid the difficult conversations because yeah. they're only going to get more difficult um and if you have those right conversations at the right time the people are going to trust you you know they're not going to feel like you've just been hiding all this information for a period of time um and that and they're going to recognize that you've got the best intentions at heart um and that's something that we can think about I think yeah, and it's hard to do, like, you know, um, being in that situation where you, as I was saying at the at the start, when you have to have those conversations, it, it is quite daunting and can be quite confronting. And um, you've got this relationship with this person, you know all about their lives, and it's hard to have those conversations. But like you said, if you avoid having those difficult conversations, it's just going to get worse and worse and you'll have to have a worse conversation later. Um, and sometimes people are shocked because, I think probably what happens is that manager, you know, like uh, doesn't spell out what's going on, right? So they, they're trying to like um, pull the punches and, you know, pat it out so people are like not having their feelings hurt. But the person goes away and doesn't realise that they've just been given feedback that they're not, you know, performing well in these areas. And then mm-hmm. um, they'll come to a formal performance process and be completely shocked because these conversations, even though the manager might have thought, oh, I've been giving this person feedback and been telling them for like the last six months. It just hasn't been clear and understood because we've been beating around the bush. Mm, sugar coating and yeah yeah and all those sorts of things yeah super interesting and I think as well like uh, in order you do gain a little bit more confidence having these conversations the more you do it so it's kind of like a muscle memory to an extent and you get gain different experiences and so then you can you, you can lean on those experiences when you have the next conversation but I mean I guess that's the useful thing that you know shameless plug here with manager IQ is that we're trying to create a community for managers to be able to have that in safe environment saying hey I've got this situation can can we you know can we um do a test run or something like that, doing a run before you do it. Like, obviously, you just don't want to have it to be a speech that you can arrive, but just think yeah. about the different scenarios that might come up and the ways that you could approach it um, may help you just then have the conversation. I did find that um, if someone came to me and said, oh, Lex, I've got a you know performance issue and da, 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 and I said, OK, well, have you had have you had the conversation? And the fact that they've just told someone that they need to have this conversation usually encourages them to have it because I guess they knew that I would check in on them. So sometimes that's also a benefit, making sure that your leader also understands that you've got these things to um these conversations to have and, and they can help support you um not just on how you do it but actually that you actually do it you know so yeah, definitely and another tip is um you know after you've had the conversation it's always good to you know like drop them a note and say hey thanks for your time earlier so as we discussed blah 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 and this is what you're going to do and then we're going to check in with each other in a month's time again so it's very clear it's you know and sometimes in the um especially for 
I guess, maybe high performers or people who've been performing and all of a sudden aren't, you know, they might be so shocked and distressed that they're probably not even listening to what you're saying. So, you know, having something in writing, nothing too formal, but, you know, afterwards while you're having those informal conversations is also helpful so they can be like, okay, yep, you know, this is this is a conversation we had and this is what I've, I need to be working on. Yeah, no, that's a great tip. That's a great tip. And one of the things that we mentioned as well that can be quite sensitive is when um, managers are having kind of, you know, employees who have ill health, you know, and that could be a variety of things. So maybe what might be worthwhile um, talking our managers through how a conversation about, you know, someone's health um, could go. Yeah. Um, so, you know, managing ill health is usually like quite formal processes um, that you might follow but before you get to that point it is um you know again sort of identifying that there's something going on so maybe the employee um you know that they're just showing signs that they might not be um doing as well um or they've actually been sick and they've been away for more than three weeks or something um or they've got a medical condition so um it's kind of identifying something is going on and then being brave enough to have that conversation to be like hey like i noticed that you know uh you're looking xyz you know um how are you how are you feeling is there anything going on that you need support with um and so it's really just being brave enough to have those open and transparent conversations because if you leave it for too long um then again it becomes really tricky to to wade into it a bit later so you're going in with from a place of concern how can you support them how can you help them ride out this this you know phase um and help them get back on track um and sometimes you know employees might not want to disclose a health situation to you and that's perfectly fine they don't they don't necessarily have to but as long as you know where they're at what they need and they know that you're here to support them then you can at least sort of be proceeding along that path together um and it's not really your role as a manager to have all the answers or to actually you know um if it's a mental health condition to help them manage that they they will have a doctor um ideally who will help them manage that but it's just being there as a supportive person that they can rely on but also being very clear about what you can expect from them and what they can expect and um so that there's no sort of misunderstandings does mm. that kind of answer your question yeah, yeah, it does. And I'm sure if we talk a little bit more about it, we'll be able to tease out some some things as well, some extra tips for the managers. Mm-hmm. I also think that it's quite good for managers when you're going into these conversations, check in with the organization's policies, procedures, benefits yeah. and so forth. So you have a general understanding around what are some of the offerings here? Do they have an extended sick leave policy? Do they have salary continuance insurance? Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones here. You know, do they have the ability to go part time if that's something that mm-hmm. the individual and what that process could look like? I mean, you don't have to have you know how to do it. But if you if you can understand kind of some of the scenarios that are within the remit of your organization's policies, procedures, ways of working, you might be able to then have, you know, a meaningful conversation saying, I don't understand quite how this works, but I know that we could do it. Let's investigate that. So I suggest that if you. Um, sometimes you don't know that you need it until you need it, but um, yeah. but just have a quick look because usually those are on some sort of internet or something like that. 
Um, I like the idea of the fact that you don't have to have all the answers because um, we had a um, had a podcast episode that was all around mental health. And what they said is that and more um, more often than not, that individual knows better what they need than what you would. Mm-hmm. So let them identify what that could look like and then yeah. just see if the how, how well the business could then support that. You know, so once again, I think you're right around asking, you know, how they're going, come from a place of care. And then really, what do they need to, to get well? And um, another hot tip that um, that Nick had from that podcast was if it's mental health in particular, substitute mental health for a broken leg or something like that or a broken mm-hmm. arm. And how would you treat that scenario? You know, kind of thing. Yeah. And he says that you'll find that you're more often or not say, well, your, your check in is not so uncomfortable, you know, because you don't want to say the wrong or right thing because it's only a broken arm. But yeah. would you check in with them 50 million times a day? You know, you wouldn't, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. So don't overdo it either. But so there's certain tips there that you could you could look you could look at. Um, but I know from your experience, I think in your team, AJ, a lot of these scenarios came to light because of the fact that they had a performance issue to begin with. And that ended up becoming one of the scenario, one of the things that came up saying the reason why I'm not performing right now is because I actually have these health issues. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. That that sometimes does happen or um, that's when you notice, you know, they're not performing. And so then you're like you start to dig into it and then you find out that they've got health issues. Having said that, sometimes when people are going through a formal performance management process, they will um, bring up a health issue, not one that's pre-existing, but they'll say, you know, now, you know, I'm stressed or depressed or whatever. And that's quite a also a natural response to a stressful process. So it's also really important to know the difference between like a mental health condition and just like a response that is natural for that time. And it doesn't mean that you have to you know, stop everything because now they are feeling anxious. Um, it's mm. just, you know, do they have a condition? And then if they do, then, you you know, you end up sort of writing to their doctor, getting advice on what can you expect from this person? Are there reasonable adjustments that you need to make to help them perform in their role? Um, that sort of thing. So that's sort of, you know, managing a formal health matter. But, you know, when you mentioned performance earlier, sometimes it does get thrown out as well and it's not a health issue it's like a stress response or, you know, um, Mm. anxiety response to being performance managed. Yeah, exactly. And I guess with all these scenarios, we'd say to the managers, you know, get advice, get support from your HR folk, um, you know, or go more broadly to where your organization gets some support as well. And, um, you know, there are sensitive matters. So you want to ensure that you kind of maintain people's confidentiality and privacy. Um, But at the same time, seek support where you can, too, because there are also quite difficult situations that you as a manager have to face. And sometimes you're receiving information that can be quite distressing. Um, So I guess the, the message there is just take care of yourself and make sure you're getting the care that you need as well um when you're going through these kind of stressful situations yeah for sure um you know definitely rely on some some support whether that's from your hr people or um broader support networks and i think we might talk about that at the end yeah yeah exactly and what are some of the challenges that a manager might face if they completely neglect having these right conversations at the right time And, you know, we do see that a lot, to be honest, because people, you know, just don't have some of these conversations. Um, The main, I guess, challenges that arise is that 
um, I think I touched on this before, that people are surprised, right? So um, all of a sudden there's a formal process in place that um, to the employee just, and you mentioned that too, they're just really shocked by. Um, and they had no idea that things were at this stage and they didn't understand that, you know, um, this was the next step. Um, and when you take someone by surprise like this, it's already um like an oppositional type of situation right so we've been talking about how these conversations and having these open and transparent conversations and the relationship is supporting each other to you know the organization and the employee to thrive but here you all of a sudden have this sort of um, me against them type of scenario that arises and they'll be angry they might go into denial they withdraw sometimes you know stick their dig their heels in um mm. refuse to participate or go further, um, start to take sick leave. So things can unravel. I mean, again, it doesn't happen every time like this just because you haven't had the conversation, but this is what could happen, you know, if you take someone by surprise. Um, and then it becomes like a, a, a dispute or a tussle, right? And it's much mm. harder to navigate as a manager and as the organisation as well, because the parties are not working towards a common goal together anymore. Um, and again, like you can with some work, turn that around sometimes, but often it's just much harder than having nipped it in the bud um, much earlier on. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're trying to create a culture of trust, you know, or high trust within your team, if you're not having those conversations, like trust doesn't just come with the fact that you give everything that they want and you're a nice person and everyone's nice to each other and stuff like that. Trust comes with some of these uncomfortable conversations as well, because someone truly believes that your intention is to make them a better employee, a better worker to help them reach their career goals. And if you're not having those difficult conversations or those right conversations at the right time, they're going to be like, well, why didn't you tell me? Like, they'd be so shocked, you know, and like yeah. the, the issue that they have is only going to amplify. Um, another thing is, it's actually going to undermine the um, your management, you know, like that your your ability to manage people will, well, your people are going to think that you're not going to be able to manage people because you're not mm. managing these situations. So if you've got one person who's underperforming and the rest of the team know it and they can't see that the manager's doing anything about it, it really is a tricky scenario for because yes. they're not, good they're for not anyone. exactly. So it's going to undermine you as a manager. Um, but also, we said quite quite a bit when we were working together. You know, your culture is only as good as the bad behavior you accept. Yeah. So once again, you have to have those right conversations at the right time. And we haven't talked touch too much on, I guess, behavior type things. But the performance stuff can be quite behavioral as well. But to ensure that you're course correcting people if they're not meeting your values, if they're not meeting um, the behaviours that you think are appropriate, because your people are going to see that and they say, well, maybe that's a baseline. So then they all start mm. working towards that kind of baseline. So, um, you know, it can really be a, a bit of an like a rolling effect that actually yeah. then kind of kind of exasperates to the rest of the team as well. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, you're right. Like it's not just what happens then between you and that employee. It can have much broader impact to the team and the morale and people start to feel resentful that they're carrying the load and nothing's happening, you know, with this individual or, like you said, bad behaviour is being tolerated and, yeah, things can really start to unravel in that team. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, so let's touch on the kind of, I guess, where managers can get support or resources. Mm-hmm help them um yeah so as we mentioned earlier if you have a hr team they're your first port of call um you know different organizations will have different processes they'll have different policies um and also risk appetite for the way that they manage things and also the size of organization also has um some impact on how you need to handle some of these matters um 
But then if you don't have HR uh, team, then there's like online resources that could help. So, you know, starting with the Fair Work Ombudsman website, you know, is always really good. They've got um, A, the explanation of the, the act and, and, you know, the obligations, but also resources that you can um, refer to. So like templates and calculators and things that you can use. Um, then there's ARI, the um, HR Institute. You can sign up to to them as a member and then you can get news alerts and you can um, uh, sort of participate in forums, you can get articles and learning opportunities. Um, subscribing to, you know, this is not to get support for, a, you know, a particular situation, but in terms of like your learning and knowing what's going on in this space, like newsletters that you can subscribe to that talk about, you know, um, employee relations type matters and, you know, how things can be handled or could go wrong in cases and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. There's the Employment Law Handbook, which is also, um, you have to subscribe to it, but it's got, um, you know, it's like a Bible on all sorts of employment law and employee-related situations and guides and things like that. So there are a few, those are just a few things, I guess, that I can rattle off the top of my head about where to go for support. Yeah, and in New Zealand and stuff like that, they got the HR Institute of New Zealand as well. Mm -hmm. I think it used to be Herons, but it's um, they've kind of slightly changed their name. And you know, there are more common um, legal bodies that you can actually also reach out to as well if you if you need to. Um, so yeah, there's options out there. But I'm hoping that you have HR folk that you can lean in on. I think that's usually they're a little bit more experienced. We're a bit fortunate in a way at EY because it was such a large organization. They centralized mm -hmm. the, the employment relations side of things. So they ended up gathering a, a bunch of experts in this area that were able to easily help them. Um, but most HR generalists have um, experience and training in this area. So they should be able to help you. Yeah. So AJ, so if people wanted to get in contact with you, you know, um, talk about this topic a little bit more, even take up some of your executive coaching um, services, how can they best get in touch with you? Uh, probably LinkedIn's the easiest. Um, you know, mm -hmm. you can look me up, AJ Cedo, and um, yeah, always happy to connect and exchange ideas with anyone. Yeah, thank you so much for your time today. It's been such a valuable conversation and lots of tips and tricks there, I think, for what can be quite tricky scenarios. But I think the key takeaway is that if you see something, talk about it quickly, talk about see it all the time. Say something, say yeah, something. Yes, oh, that's, I like that. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> no, I think uh, that's what they say for, um, what was that for? It was like for identifying threats and alerts, but, you know, similar idea, right? Just talk about it. Yeah, exactly. And that's for the good as well as the um, kind of constructive. So, yeah, but appreciate your time. And um, if anyone's got any feedback, please let us know any topics you'd like us to cover in a, f a future podcast. Also let us know. Um, but thank you so much for your time and I hope everyone has a lovely day. Thank you for having me. Talk soon. Thank you for taking the time to listen to today's episode. If you have any feedback or would like us to deep dive on a specific skill, please email us at hello at manageriq.com. Thanks very much. Have a good day.